Hello and welcome to the Activate Podcast. My name is Jill Pelkey, and it's my prayer that this podcast will activate your faith as we study the Bible, and it will activate your very life as we apply the Bible and we love God and serve people. Let's pray together and then let's get right into the Word of God. Jesus, I thank you that you are here to set us free from the things in this world that bind us up, the things in the world that trip us up. You're here to just set us free to be the sons and daughters that you've called us to be. So Lord, I pray today that in some way we would become free by what we hear today. In some way, your Holy Spirit would move in our minds, move in our hearts, and transform us to be more like you. Jesus, I pray that we would open our hearts. I pray that we would participate in what we hear, that we wouldn't just be hearers of the word, but we would be doers. We would take into action the things that you've called us to do and the things that you say to us. Lord, be with us. Guide us in these next few moments together. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, today we're going to talk about leadership. And the only way to talk about leadership is to talk about Jesus, the greatest leader to ever put feet on the earth, (laughs) Jesus Christ. And to talk about leadership, we have to talk about servanthood. And the opposite of servanthood is leadership, and the opposite of leadership is servanthood. And so how do these two marry one another, and how do we apply them to our lives? We all want to be like Jesus. We all want to love like Jesus loves. We all want to emulate our lives after the life of Jesus Christ. When we look back in the Bible, we see a few key people who were types of Jesus. So we look at Joshua. Joshua was a type of Jesus, meaning that he was a foreshadow. He was someone who lived out his life, and yet the things in his life showed us that Jesus was coming. Jesus was a better Joshua. King David was a type of Jesus, Jesus was a better David. And interestingly enough, they're all from the same lineage, Joshua, David, Jesus. So we're going to look at some of the leadership and servanthood qualities of these three key figures in Scripture. We're going to see if that applies to our lives at all. Does it even touch our lives? First, let's take a look at Joshua. Joshua is from the Old Testament back in the time of Moses when the people of God had been called out as a nation. They were released from slavery miraculously, and they were now in the desert waiting to go into a promised land, and they were living by the Ten Commandments. And Moses had built a tent of meeting, and this tent of meeting was described in detail by God to Moses, exactly how he should build it, where, and what he should do there. And so Moses would go in and meet with God. And we're going to pick up there in Exodus chapter 33. We're in verse 11, Exodus 33, 11. The Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. Then Moses would return to the camp, but his young aide, Joshua, son of Nun, did not leave the tent. So our first example of leadership is Joshua. Now, Joshua wasn't the head guy. He was the servant of the head guy. He was the aide. And the first key to leadership is to sit in the presence of God. In order to be like Jesus, we have to be with Jesus. We have to sit in the presence of Jesus. Jesus. 
We can't be like someone if we never spend time with them. You know, it said that the, the three people that you hang out with the most, those are the people that your life will eventually look like. Whoever you talk to on the phone the most, that's who you're going to begin to talk like and act like. Whoever, whatever things you surround yourself and fill your head with, those are the things that are going to become a part of who you are. And Joshua sat in the presence of God. Even after everybody else had left, he sat in the presence of God. It would have been socially acceptable for him to leave. It would have been probably more acceptable if he left. But his longing to be in proximity to God made him a leader. I don't know where you're at today. If you're serving as the second to someone else, if you're serving as an aide, a servant, a helper to someone else, the key to your leadership is to sit in the presence of God. The key to your leadership is to be in proximity to God. And how do we do that? We don't do that in a room full of people. To be in proximity to God, we do that alone, at our own home, in our own time, in our own space. We spend time worshiping God at our house. We spend time worshiping God when no one else is around. And that does a lot of things for our hearts. It sets our hearts on a place to worship God in humility, not for show, not to be like someone else or act like someone else. When you worship God alone, with no one else around, you're worshiping Him because you want to. You're not for show. Joshua teaches us to sit in the presence of God. Joshua goes on to take over army after army after army and to be a great leader for the Lord. But it all sat with him sitting in proximity to God. There's a quote from Billy Graham that I love. Somebody asked him, if you could change anything about your ministry, what would you change? And he said, the one thing I would change is I would have more time to prepare. I would have more time to get ready for the life ahead of me. Any time that we are preparing for a leadership role, we need to sit in the presence of God. And a lot of times the Lord will make margin for that. He'll make room for that. He'll cause you to lose a job or stop a relationship or be just alone. He will cause you to, to come into a desert kind of place so that you can just sit. And you think, oh, you know, we're focusing on our problems. We're focusing on all the bad things going on. But if we would turn and realize, wow, I have time. Time is that gift to come and sit in the presence of God. If you have time, if God has taken things out of your life, it's on purpose so that you can sit in his presence. I'm sure that Joshua was a good servant to Moses. There's a few times in scripture that's recorded where he says things um, to Moses, not agreeing with him. And those aren't, those aren't the ways that we want to follow, but we want to follow Mo Joshua in the sense that he sat in the presence of God. Even after his leader was done, he continued to seek the face of God. Are you seeking the face of God on your own? Or are you a leader who thinks they can seek the face of God only on Sunday morning in front of people at church? 
The first key to Jesus-like leadership is to be in proximity to God. And we see Jesus himself showing us that as he kept going away to private places alone to pray. Things kept happening in his ministry and he would escape alone to pray on a mountain or in a boat or anywhere to be by himself and to be close to God. In order to lead, we need to be by ourselves close to God. If you are in the, th- the throes of ministry and if you are ministering and ministering and ministering and busy, remember Joshua. Remember to go back to that place and just sit before the Lord because that's always where it starts. That's always where the greatest ministry start is sitting before the Lord. That's always where the greatest call that God can give you is just sitting before the Lord, being in proximity to him. So our second example is David. And King David is a type of Jesus, and we're going to look in 1 Samuel 16, verse 18. And we're going to look at what David did with his leadership that we can emulate. 1 Samuel 16, 18. One of the servants answered, I have seen a son of Jesse of Bethlehem who knows how to play the lyre. He is a brave man and a warrior. He speaks well and is fine looking, and the Lord is with him. Then Saul sent messengers to Jesse and said, Send me your son David, who is with the sheep. So Jesse took a donkey loaded with bread, a skin of wine, and a young goat, and sent them with his son to Saul. Saul came, or David came to Saul and entered his service. Saul liked him very much, and David became one of his armor bearers. Then Saul sent word to Jesse, saying, Allow David to remain in my service, for I am pleased with him. There's a few things there that we really have to look at. The king, Saul, was looking for someone to serve him. And it was already known that David was trustworthy. Why not David? He was putting into practice things that God had put in front of him to do. God had put in front of him to be a shepherd, and he was the best shepherd that he could possibly be. He fought off bears to save his sheep. Wherever you are, whatever position the Lord has allowed you to be in, whether it's the church janitor, a children's church worker, a backup singer, a backup, backup, backup worker in the church, you're the guy that they call third on the list if nobody else can show up, whatever the Lord has called you to do, do it with excellence. Keep sitting in the presence of God, and then like David, do your job. David was a shepherd, and he did his job. David wasn't included. David wasn't elevated. David wasn't appreciated. David wasn't held to a high uh, acclaim by people around him. His brothers didn't even invite him when Samuel the prophet came. And Samuel the prophet comes and he looks at all the brothers. And David wasn't even invited, but he was doing his job. And you and I, we have to do our job because God sees us. When we work, we work as unto the Lord. We don't do our nine to five job for our boss. We don't do our nine to five job even for our paycheck. We do our nine to five job to serve God. And so we do it with the best ability that we can. We pray for wisdom in difficult situations and we say, God, please help me to work alongside unsaved, unchristian, un-Jesus-like coworkers. We do the very best. We don't lie when given the opportunity. We don't cheat. 
We don't go home five minutes before we're supposed to. We work as if we're working for Christ himself. And that's what David showed us as he tended his sheep, as he fought off bears, as he didn't give up. He was doing his job. And you want to know who saw him doing his job? You want to know who sees you doing your job? God. And so Samuel the prophet looks over all the brothers, all of Jesse's sons, goes down the line, and he doesn't know which one to anoint as king. The story says that, uh, the account says that Samuel had come to anoint a new king. And he knew it was one of the sons of Jesse. But all the sons line up, and he goes down the line, looks at each one. But each one is not the one that the Lord has. So finally he says to Jesse, are these all of your sons? And Jesse says, well, there's David, but he's out doing his job. Where do you want the Lord to find you? Do your job. Don't be looking for the next job before God gives it to you because then God hasn't given it to you. You've given it to yourself. If you're self-promoting yourself in different ranks through the church, then God's not promoting you. You're promoting yourself. Do your job. Clean the church. Be the usher. Be the sound guy. Be the nursery worker. Be the one that goes around and cleans up communion cups. Be the vacuumer. Do it as unto the Lord. So David comes into the house and Samuel looks at David. He says, you are the one that the the Lord of heaven and earth has chosen to be the king over Israel. And he anoints his head with oil as a symbol that he is the new king of Israel. Now it's after he is anointed king, anointed king, he goes back and does his job. Some of us have been called by God. But we haven't been called to leave our job yet. Some of us have been called by God, but we haven't been called to leave our job yet. I hope you caught that the first time or the second time I said it. David continued to do what God had set before him to do, which was to take care of sheep. And then not long after that, he gets called into the service of King Saul, even though he knows he's meant to be king and take over Saul's place. He knows that one day he will sit on the very throne that Saul is now sitting on. He goes, and the word keeps coming up. He's in his service. He's in his service. He knows the great calling God has on his life, and he does something. He serves in obscurity, right? Maybe God has a great call on your life. Maybe you know that one day you're going to be a great preacher. One day you're going to preach to thousands. Maybe you know that God has called you to be the women's ministry leader. But today, serve the current women's ministry leader. But today, serve the current preacher. But today, serve whoever God's placed over you in authority. Because as David served in obscurity... God was developing a heart within him to become the greatest king besides Jesus himself recorded in the Bible. So David teaches us to serve in obscurity, to do our job. Joshua teaches us to sit in proximity to God, to sit and to serve, to sit and to serve. And the last example that I want to go over today is Jesus himself. We're going to look at John chapter 13. 
How does Jesus show us how to lead? The book of John chapter 13 is the account of Jesus coming in to a dinner party with all the other disciples. And of all the people in the entire household, Jesus ranks highest. He's the teacher. He's the master. He's the son of God. He's the king of kings. He is almighty. He is all powerful. He is all knowing. He is the top. And as the top, he goes and gets a basin of water and takes the people under him and serves them. And in John chapter 13, the evening meal was in progress and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Jesus served people under him. So if you, like Joshua, have sat in the presence of the Lord, if you, like David, have served in obscurity, even though you know your calling, and then if you, like Jesus, are put in a place of authority over other people, the moment you're put in authority over any other group of people, there's going to be one that disagrees with you. There's going to be at least one who betrays you or offends you or hurts you, and you have the power to still serve them. If you are a leader in your church, if you are a leader at your job, and there's somebody that rubs you the wrong way, there's someone who's legitimately done something wrong to you, there is a Judas in your life. Jesus gives us the example of leadership by washing his feet. The account says that Jesus already knew that he wins in the end. Friend, you and I, we already know that we win in the end. We also know the verse in scripture that says vengeance belongs to God, not to us. And so we follow the example of Jesus Christ and we serve people who have hurt us. We serve people who are going to hurt us. We serve people who have done us wrong, like Jesus We wash the feet of those under us. We serve those under us. To be a master, we have to be a servant. In order to be a master, we have to be a servant first. We have to sit in the presence of God himself. We have to be obscure so our heart can be developed. And we have to serve. In James chapter 4, there is a very familiar scripture to most of us. It says, humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. It doesn't say a certain amount of time and you can lift yourself up. It says, humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. When we look back further in James chapter four, it talks about a lot of the problems of our heart as we enter leadership, as we enter into being Jesus-like. James chapter four says this, what causes fights and quarrels among you? And many of us would answer that question very quickly with the other guy. So what causes problems between me and somebody else? Well, it's obviously the other guy. But here's what the Bible says. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire, but you don't have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You don't have, 
because you don't ask God. And when you ask, you don't receive because you ask with the wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your own pleasures. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God's. Or do you think that scripture says without reason that he jealously longs for the spirit he has caused to dwell in us, but he has given us more grace? That's why the, the scripture says, God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. And here it is. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. Brothers and sisters, do not slander one another. Anyone who speaks against a brother or sister or judges them speaks against the law and judges it. When you judge the law, you're not keeping it, but you're sitting in judgment on it. There's only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and destroy. But you, who are you to judge your neighbor? As we look at leadership, I think that that is a good lens to put all of our heartfelt feelings through. Many times we're not sitting close enough to God to get the right heart for leadership. Many times we are quick to scoff at those who are already in leadership and wish we were them and wonder why we're not there yet. Why are there these quarrels and fights in your heart or out loud? It's because you're at war within yourself. But if you would humble yourself and wait, God will see you just like he saw David doing his job. God will see you doing your job. Don't quarrel and fight and push to get your own way. Don't push your way into leadership or ministry. Humble yourself. Vacuum the church floor. Weed the parking lot. Clean out a closet. Serve, 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 serve without grumbling or complaining. Serve and work as if you're working unto God himself. And then, even when the Lord begins to tell you, as you sit in proximity to God, he may begin to tell you the great things he has in store for you. And when he does, don't jump out of your service. Keep serving. Serve the person in charge. And serve and serve and serve and serve and serve. And God will recognize you in the right time. And if you're lucky, you won't enter leadership for a long time and you'll have more and more and more time to sit with your Savior. You'll have more and more time to just sit in the presence of the Lord and to serve. And when you enter into a place of leadership, like Jesus, wash the feet of those who are going to harm you. Leadership is about coming close to God. Leadership is about serving in obscurity. And leadership is about serving those who may very well hurt you. When we look at the difference between servant and leader, a servant is a person who, who performs duties for others. A leader is one who directs. So how are you serving and directing at the same time? You're directing people to serve. You're leading by serving. 
I'm amazed at the amount of times that Jesus was interrupted in his ministry, where things were going one way and people would run up to him. The woman with the issue of blood, children, um, the Pharisees, the Sadducees would interrupt the things that Jesus was doing. And he realized how important moments were. And so he would stop and he said, let the little children come to me. He would, he would answer the questions thrown at him in the middle of his preaching. He would answer the, tw- the tough questions that the Pharisees would ask. Why could he be so concerned about moments? Because he was humble. He wasn't pushing his own agenda. He allowed the moments to happen. But he also kept going away and being close in proximity to God so that when those moments happened, he was ready, so that he could, with genuine love, love Judas and the people underneath him. He knew that God had it under control. I mean, Judas was the keeper of their money. Jesus knew. He could have stopped it all. But he knew that God had an ultimate plan. He knew in the end that God would win. And I know it true in your life. I know it true in my life. In the end, God will win. And if I come close to him, I'll remind myself of that. If I come close to him, my heart will settle down. There won't be war war, war going on within me. There won't be jealousy or coveting. There won't be the rage in my heart. If I come close to God, the quarrels will stop. And if I serve in obscurity, even if I know I have a different call on my life, God sees me. I do my job and I keep doing my job and I keep doing my job. And if I get in a place where there are people, people, image bearers of God, people, I mean, people are so precious to God. God loved them so much that he died for each and every one of them. And if I ever find myself in a place where I am leading precious people, I will still do my job of serving. Let's be like Joshua and get close to God. Let's be like David. And though we're in obscurity, we will still do our job. And let's be like Jesus. And let's serve people who may not be kind to us. Leadership detailed in the Bible is so much different than leadership in the world. But the best examples we have are the people we see in the Bible. Let's pray together. Jesus, I thank you for who you are. I thank you for what you showed us. You didn't come to the earth to show us anything greater than love. So God, I pray that we would show love to the people around us. I pray that we wouldn't quarrel and fight, that we would calm down our hearts, that God, we would come close to you and you would soothe us, make us like you, help us to see a bigger picture. God, I pray for each person struggling today, each person struggling on being obscure, those that are struggling in coming close to you, those who are struggling in serving someone who's not very lovable. Help us, Jesus, by your Holy Spirit, soothe our hearts. Help the Spirit of the living God to direct our paths. Jesus, we love you, and we long to be more like you. Thank you for your word. In Jesus' name, amen.